Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Massive thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode of Lakeside Drive. As always, we only really want to partner with brands we actually use ourselves. And Freya Brolsma is currently using NordVPN whilst sitting in the sunny shores of Miami. It's been a big week. To, to say the least, but uh, very grateful to have access to everything that I've needed to along the way, including KO for a few replays during Polly because I couldn't see everything I needed to yesterday while I was on track. So a VPN became very, very helpful yesterday. So no matter where you are in the world, you can access all the content you want, including if you want to watch something like, I don't know, Auntie Donna's Coffee Cafe and you're in the US and you want to watch ABC iView. <laughs> ABC iView probably still won't work for you regardless of where you are. But if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive, you can get a very special deal and it's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you are completely covered if you decide to change your mind. nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the LL Cool J Miami Grand Prix. And I'm joined in person by my friend and yours, Tommy T. G'day, mate. How you doing? I'm very, very well. And our person on the ground who has been flat chat non-stop content creator, Freya Brolsma. Hello, mate. Hello. How are you doing? I should say, yeah, no, actually, no, how are you doing? That's right. I'm now in North America right now. Um, yeah, big week. Well, see, so what happens is I come here and I say, how are you going? And people will say, oh, like, by car? <laughs> So I was actually right the first time. I have culturally adjusted, but, yeah, what a big week. Miami has just been full of the vibes. (laughs) Tommy T, you were there only very recently. How are you going? Uh, By car, usually. (laughs) By car and domestic first class, thank you. Yes. This is the one time. brush your shoulder off. The one time. (laughs) Uh, Guys, an incredibly brilliant Grand Prix. I need to eat my words. I'm not sure if I said it on this podcast or somewhere else, but I said this will be a very boring race. You do talk a lot. I do. (laughs) And then I also do a podcast. Um, I bet it would be a very boring race. Although it wasn't the most exciting race, Freya, it was better than Azerbaijan, hands down. We needed a really exciting race, I think. Following the break, the spring break more specifically, and then Baku last week, which didn't deliver the drama that we expected, I think everybody was just craving a race with high overtakes, some interesting on-track action, whether it's through qualifying the race, and Miami delivered. Tommy T, we really... (laughs) We were really disappointed by Baku, weren't we? So much so that it is. Is it? Are you still in your top ten tracks? No, done, gone forever. (laughs) Fair enough. I think the one thing I would say is this was interesting because it wasn't through any safety cars or any kind of randomness. This was Mm. just racing, which I didn't expect Miami to have kind of uh, available. I I thought it was going to be one of those ones. It's going to be a trick kind of track because it's just a a car park. Uh, 
very unexpected that we had an interesting race considering. Freya, let's let's start though by looking at what your experience was at the Grand Prix this year. You had a brilliant chat with GridClick, but it seems to have just gone on and on from there. You spent a bit of time in the paddock too, I see. Look, it's been a really, really interesting weekend. If nothing else, just to see how much things have changed from last year. You know, we had a lot of criticisms on how they um, ran the weekend, how they ran activation kind of centres and activities in town, even the construction of the paddock itself last year. It just, you know, it was very evident that it was their first Grand Prix. And everything we've heard this year is that they have stepped up in every single way. So whether it's fan activation um, centres in town, they have done those really, really well. The Williams um, kind of spot in particular, that was phenomenal. We know that there were lots of others um, throughout the weekend. But then, you know, like you said, I was, I was in the paddock yesterday and we heard from some people who are very kind of close to the action in terms of saying how much the operational side of things has kind of stepped up and has made their lives a lot easier. They've got a permanent um, uh, paddock kind of set up now and those things are just making their lives so much easier. And they've also just said like it's just bloody special. You know, you walk into the paddock and you're surrounded by the stadium and it's just a very um, you know special and incredible experience. But everything from logistics to operations to fan engagement seems to have stepped up a notch and as opposed to just trying to run a Super Bowl with a track, <laughs> they're actually really learning from other Grand Prix and tailoring it in a way that they need to to suit this audience and this sport. Tommy T, it really was quite special to watch. I feel like last year there was massive elements placed on the fake marina and how much, how, how really <laughs> still fake. crappy, but but it, it wasn't. Can confirm, still fake. It wasn't, wasn't really spoken about a lot this year. I think we've kind of moved on from that and maybe it's because Vegas has taken the mantle now mm. of the most ridiculous United States Grand Prix. Um, it, it did feel a little better managed this year. It just seemed more intentional. Everything that was done this year was more intentional. Last year was like a scramble to the end to make sure that there was a race and there was a track more than anything. The track looked in much better condition this year than it did real patchy last year from memory. But even like like Freya saying, everything around the track was it looked so much more well put together, at least from TV. Freya was there, so she can speak to that, I'm sure. But the way they've set up the paddock now, the way they've got – imagine sitting in the stands and just being able to like sticky beak and watch what's happening in the paddock. That's a really cool, interesting part of F1 that we don't often get to see. That is usually reserved for the very elite pass that only a few people can get. But now everyone can kind of just sit there and just watch what's going on, and which is – I suppose a lot of people like F1 for that reason. There's a lot of things happening off track that kind of lead into the on-track drama as well. Uh, so like having that access is unparalleled really. And I think one of the things that Sarah said in your chat with the grid click, Freya, that, you know, American fans really associate themselves with people who or teams that represent their values. I think that kind of culture is so different to everywhere else in the world. Um, and I think the way that they then engage with the, with teams, be it sitting in the, the stands, as you say, TT looking down upon the paddock, or even if it's actually in the paddock, so people who have got the money to spend on VIP tickets, it really just it just seemed like I don't know. It's hard to I can't don't have the words. It just seemed really well put together, and we're watching that you know at five thirty in the morning here. Uh, from from your point of view though, Freya, in terms of those fans and how they were engaged, it, it wasn't as big a number 
um, as the Australian Grand Prix, but I actually don't think that matters at all. It was actually really interesting. The kind of general admission area was much quieter than I expected. You know, you wouldn't wait more than a couple of minutes to get some food or a drink or whatever it might be. It was generally much more sparse than I um, kind of expected it to be. But what was really interesting actually was the different types of fans, as you mentioned. I met people from one extreme to the other, people who have grown up with different forms of motorsport and have had their kind of foot in the door with Formula One since a young age. You know, they're probably a bit more obsessed with Indy and NASCAR, which makes sense just based on where they are and have, you know, more recently come into Formula One, but but seriously pre-Drive to Survive, like they've been into it for 15 years or so, right up to the newest of fans. So I did find myself sitting next to someone yesterday and we were chatting away and they said, so so what is today? <laughs> I said, what? I said, what? Sunday. <laughs> like Saturday or like, you know, like what day of the week? Or how existential are we talking here? But, you know, we, we sat down and we talked right through what a, a standardised, you know, let's forget about sprints for a second, yep. standard weekend looks like and, um, you know, really had a great chat about it and, you know, seeing – it's actually really amazing, like seeing the amazement on someone someone's face when you're talking about those things for the first time is something they haven't had for a little while and it was it was really, really cool. But, um, yeah, really interesting, not as busy as I expected. It made for a great fan experience generally speaking because there were spaces at things and lots yeah. of things to do. But as many people will say, does that come at the expense of the kind of trackside racing experience? You know, is there a compromise that you have to make between the experience that you have when you're visiting a Grand Prix as a as a spectator and the quality, especially for new tracks, of of the racing? And that that's a conversation that we can have. Probably one of the things I noticed it was really difficult to get commentary right. So. Oh. Um, it's difficult Very to get commentary to when you're watching Sky F1 too, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> like really easy to find a screen, really easy to find, you know, great views of the track. Um, but very difficult to actually get audio, for example. And it felt like um the racing quality had improved kind of by chance from last year, but the party is the priority. Like right. that that's what I would say about Miami. The the party is definitely the priority to the point that you, you know, you can get yourself in amazing tents and stuff here, which you cannot do in other races or in other locations. But you know, how close are you to the action? What is the quality of the racing? How does it feel to be trackside? That 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 is very different. Are you saying you did a camp and you got into the Porsche tent? Just by buffing your way through. <laughs> she did. She got into the Pirelli area. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very proud of you. Halfway there. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about qualifying before we move on to the team-by-team team analysis. My only point really is that um, Charles Leclerc is at least consistent in, in doing it. <laughs> um, but more excitingly, I think because of that, it was a, it was a much better race. But also the the first time ever that we've had a top three fully Spanish speaking grid in any so basically yeah. outside of Mexico, um, really or or Barcelona. That Miami is a really good place for that to happen, considering the uh, enormous Spanish speaking population there. Yep. Freya. the every single time Checo did everything, anything, whether it was <laughs> doing something amazing on track, whether it was you know his qualifying position, whether it was being interviewed. Every single time that Checo was front and centre on track, on the screen, anything, there were chants everywhere. In front of you, you could hear them from the stands behind you, whatever it might be. The support for Checo here 
is absolutely incredible. And then even um, with fans who were perhaps newer to the sport and they said, I heard there's another Spanish driver here. I was like, uh, yeah, he happens to be multiple world championship. His name is Fernando Alonso. Where, <laughs> how did he go? Yes, very well, actually. Anyway, so they started chanting his name as well. That's what I mean, where you just had, you know, fans from one end of the extreme to the other. Yeah. But regardless, they were very excited about the qualifying results, as you said, James. Let's have a look now at the race. Tommy T, I know I, I sort of whinged about the anthem in Australia Doesn't having no, like you. no backing. How do you? No backing. Um, <laughs> but, but hats off to this performer who absolutely nailed the anthem, but yep. zero out of 10 for a flyover because it didn't happen. Which is amazing for somewhere like America, which does love pomp and circumstance more than anywhere else and really. Well, projection. maybe other than like. The coronation, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> Second most. That's why Campy's not here, by the way. He's, he's, he's yeah. still flying back from yeah, the coronation. Uh, <laughs> yep. yes. um, yeah, very disappointing. I would have thought we would have got something. Maybe we could have launched a rocket even. We're down here. <laughs> like, let's let's do some oh, stuff. Oh, a space rocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clarification is important. But we're down in Florida. Let's do some stuff. Let's, let's be, let's let's be, let's be exciting. <laughs> Uh, good. Uh, let's let's mark that down for next year, Miami. Rocket. SpaceX launch. <laughs> Lack of rockets. Just time it perfectly to the crescendo. Yeah, I think that's that's doable. It. Uh, oh God, I can't get over that. So it's such a mental picture. All right, let's talk about the race. Full team by team analysis. We're going to start with the very back of the pack, which is a surprise to absolutely nobody except for maybe some people who thought that uh, free practice timings were anything to go by with McLaren. Uh, we are going to start with McLaren right at the very back. Oscar Piastri 19th and and uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I was going to say Fernando then for a second. Lando Norris uh, finishing in 17th. Tommy T. Um, Piastri had an issue with his car, a mm. software issue that meant his brake pedal went a little bit long. Um, McLaren, just an, another weekend to forget for them, isn't it? Useless. Just useless. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the more and more we think about it, Daniel exiting that early is not a bad thing, I don't think, because this would not be doing anything for his career in this position, would it? It wouldn't be. If anything, he looks stronger now, not in a car, than if he was in that car. <laughs> so true. If you really think about it, if they were that far back. So true. Um, but very disappointing for Oscar, who has been solid. I think, like considering how bad that car is, has had really good results, really good qualifyings, and things out of his control are impacting his position at mm. the end of races. So very positive for him. Um, and again, Lando not really doing as much as we would hope, I suppose, for a driver of his caliber. Freya, does it feel like a little bit now, now that Daniel's out of the car, and I think that's a great point, TT, that Lando is really the one under pressure here to be able to perform for teams like Ferrari or Mercedes or whoever. You know, At some point in the next two to three years, there will be a seat available at one of those top teams. And someone like Lando has been well regarded for a very long time, but because he's stayed with McLaren for such a long time, his contract is so lengthy. Someone like Oscar Piastri, who's coming in and performing in the car when it's not working properly or when he's ill and only had three pieces of toast for the entire weekend, like he did in Baku, um, and is the sort of quiet achiever, is going to be stocks down for Lando as a result? I'm kind of thinking about Piastri at McLaren in the same way that I kind of thought about George Russell at Williams. 
Mm. in that people who are invested in him and just believe in his potential will keep him on their tabs and they know that they can't he can't show his full potential in that car and i think now with the time that both Norris Piastri and Daniel have had um in that vehicle we can see that they're just not going to get the results that they are capable of in a top car in the McLaren. So I think people who believe in Piastri's skills and ability will continue to believe in that regardless of his performance in the McLaren, if I'm being entirely honest, partially because as example by today and this weekend generally, you know, Norris is not dominating him in such a way that he would if he had a good car and he had a rookie up alongside him. You know, Norris started in 16th and finished the 17th. And I know he had that damage early on and we can talk about that later potentially with DeVries. But I think that people who, like I said, just respect that that skill and have seen, you know, glimpses of it will keep an eye on him regardless of how he goes at McLaren. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Let's talk about Williams now. The homeboy Logan Sargent who said something along the lines of let's get hype Miami to LL Cool J. I'm not sure if anyone was expecting the microphone to be used by the drivers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> LL's fault, if I'm honest. He threw mm. it out there. Mm. Um, <laughs> come on, LL, lift. <laughs> Lula lift. Uh, he ended up in 20th, Albon <laughs> in 14th. Albon, though, I'm taking it. Thank you very much. No, I'm taking it to the bank. Bad. Albon uh, had, a, had a pretty good race or things considered but he wasn't happy with strategy tt to the point he even said over the team radio that he wasn't happy with the pace that he was required to push um to keep those tires alive now logan Sargent again in his rookie year mm-hmm. his home first home race rookie year first of three home races <laughs> good point <laughs> but it's proper home home for him yeah home home um in the same token by the way if the u.s wants this many races perth should have a race just yeah. saying can i also um, say quickly that it no. was called his home race and it was the closest home race I think you'll find that Monaco is pretty small. So therefore, Charles Leclerc, I'm pretty sure his home race is literally inside his old house. That's true. <laughs> it's probably inside of Drive the Drive through the living room. Yeah, legitimately. So let's just clear that up. Second closest. Yes, probably third closest yeah. because Brighton to Albert Park is it's not cl- that far for yep. Oscar. So get your facts right, Sky. Come on, Sky. Wow, imagine <laughs> Sky not having and all of their the facts kind in of a row. expertise you'll get on the Lakeside Drive Seems podcast. Pretty <laughs> we are well-researched yeah. and experts. <laughs> Leave a like. Uh, Freya, for, for you though, and I specifically want to talk about the uh, the pop-up that you went to and you, you caught up with people like Jamie Chadwick there as well who's a development driver for Williams. Um, there seems to be this groundswell of support now outside of the racing for teams like Williams and that is only a good thing for them. Yeah, definitely. There were a lot of people who were actually at the Williams pop-up who are not Williams supporters. I am at the Williams pop-up in Miami and I'm here with Alex of all people, not the Alex that you're thinking about, although he's going to be here very soon, but we do have a supporter here. What made you choose Williams as a team to support and what, what brings you here today? So for Williams, Williams is one of the only teams that are actually giving fans the opportunity to come see the drivers and get their signatures and interact with them. So I know for today, you're going to go see Alex Albon, you're going to see Logan Sargent, tomorrow's James, Jensen Button, sorry about that, uh, and James Vowles. Friday's Jamie Chadwick, if I'm not mistaken. So I just want to come here, show the team the support that they deserve for hopefully getting some points. Hopefully getting some points this weekend. 
they were just really keen to see what they were doing and really appreciated what they were doing for fans and spectators who were there in terms of giving so many opportunities. You know, they had both their drivers um, as well as Jensen Button, as well as James Vowles, as well as Jamie Chadwick. You know, they had all of these kind of opportunities to come in and engage with people who are involved in the sport so closely and they really appreciated that, which I thought was really, really interesting in terms of how much the spectators just want to to hear from these people and get close to them and, and ask them some questions. You know, we had Q&A from the floor and, you know, half of them did, they didn't even go for Williams, which I thought was really, really interesting. And they were naturally very supportive of Sargent, obviously being the local hero, but at the same time they were going, yeah, sure, we'd love Sargent to do well. You know, he's it's his home, first home race, blah, 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 blah. But also, um, you know, I'm actually a Ferrari fan and I want Leclerc to win. So I thought that was that was really interesting. But they did a superb job here of of getting people who are um, uh, nearby involved in the sport. TT, Williams, I mean, we know that we want them to do well. We know that Albon is probably one of our favourite drivers on the grid. Yep. To watch him in that sort of mid-pack battle, though... It is good to watch considering where the car has been for the last couple of years. Yeah, I think maybe Williams are, are getting to the point where they're not that one-trick kind of opportunistic racing team and they're actually a legitimate mid-pack team, especially with L1 driving. He's been outstanding. He's reminding me of like those previous Gasly seasons Agreed. where he's in a yeah. an underpowered car or he's in a, a car that's <laughs> not as hero. good. Um, <laughs> but he's – what an era, exactly. Uh, but I think that's that's kind of where I'm seeing him. He's He's – fighting way above where that car kind of should be and dragging the team kind of where it where they're, they're aiming for. Alfa Romeo now, Valtteri Bottas, uh, he qualified 10th, but only because he wasn't able to put a lap time in. Thanks, Charles. Um, uh, but he ended up finishing the race in 13th, Joe in 16th. Kind of a little bit, uh, I'm still a bit frustrated, I suppose, is probably a better word with, with Alfa Romeo. We need to talk about you as a curse for anyone you talk to. <laughs> yeah. I haven't spoken to Daniel. Well, I have, but not on the... Listen. <laughs> How dare you? Your fandom is the curse. It is the kiss of death. Who should I talk to next then? Uh, I'll, let's, I'll get back to you. <laughs> okay, no worries. Thanks so much for that. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like he was able to get a little bit more pace out of the car, Valtteri Bottas, I mean, in this instance. Um he almost was on for points for, for a couple of laps there and about sort of 15 laps to go, but it wasn't able to connect it together. Freya, I'm interested though, on, on the ground, what was the kind of support for both Joe and or, and Bottas? I saw a few Alfa Romeo t-shirts floating around, but it was nowhere near as significant um, as we saw for, for other teams. It felt like a pretty big even split between kind of Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes. Um, Mercedes very spe- specifically focused towards Hamilton fans. Um, but I did see a few, you know, Alfa Romeo um, t-shirts around, but, but not a huge mum- number. But I think what was interesting, as he said, is that this track, and I was quite hopeful for Bottas after his qualifying yesterday, but he just couldn't hold on to it. And it's, yeah, it was kind of frustrating to watch in that he kind of made up for a few, for made up a few places in those first couple of laps, but it just didn't seem to kind of piece together in terms of, of results. So I'm just wondering, you kind of say, if you've had your best qualifying yet, I think it was, and I think it was this year, um, to then only drop places, you know, what is, um, on the cards for you the rest of the season, mm. which doesn't seem super hopeful as much as I've 
just completely behind VB in particular um, this season. Joe, I genuinely forgot was on track. He seems <laughs> to be in was a entire race on his own. I've got a couple of notes here and there for most of the drivers. I have no notes for for him. <laughs> no notes and is good. I, just I guess. Like was, <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> well, sure, sure. It means that you kind of staying out of drama if there's a lot of it, but there wasn't yeah. that much drama that that would be significant, right? So I think they're going to just they're really going to have to step it up a notch. Alpha Tauri now, Nick DeVries straight into the back of Lando Norris, which really threw Lando's race away. And we didn't mention that in McLaren. It is important to know that, I mean, they also started on the soft tyres, which was going to do absolutely nothing for them unless there was a safety car and red flag, of which there was none. And we haven't mentioned that yet. Yeah. Zero anythings from the FIA, no yellow flags, no safety cars, no red flags, nothing. Um, the the best non-interfered race We've had it a very long time. Yes. I actually can't remember the last time we didn't have any flags, apart from blue flags probably, waved at all. Um, but, yes, Nick DeVries, 18th. Yuki Sonoda in 11th. I, I feel like the same as what you were saying with Joe Freyer about Yuki. He kind of just wasn't anywhere in, in my field of vision for the entire race weekend. Mm. Um, and DeVries only really getting that attention because of punting into the back of Lando. Yeah, that wasn't a particularly... I don't know, skillful move. <laughs> In fact, it might have been the opposite. Um, it it didn't and it didn't seem to be forced either. You know how you see people in certain positions. For example, like last weekend, Baku, we had George and Max, and you're going like George is kind of going. I had no grip. I didn't have a lot of space to move. Whatever. It was a bit of a forced error yeah. in a lot of ways to use a bit of tennis talk, I suppose. Whereas Devries this weekend, you know, it wasn't that he appeared to kind of just go straight into the back of, of Norris, which is which is no good. And this is not the start to the season that we hoped that he would have, me in particular. I'll put it out there. Um, <laughs> but we can only hope. And, Tommy, you've got to be with, there with me, right? You're yeah, a, I, was, I was expecting more, I guess. Um, I mean, pretty hard to follow up that debut, which was incredible. But, yeah, I, I expected more. It seems that that car is just not meshing with his – his style of driving. And we've seen this in the past. Some drivers have a particular style. And correct me if I'm wrong, and we probably need to campy here, but the way that that AlphaTauri is set up is quite different to a lot of other cars, um, the way it's driven, the way that the balance is set. So it might just be one of those things where he's really struggling, like we've seen others, to get to grips with that car and it's just not meshing for him um, like he would like. Mm. In the same way that Bottas can't get it together with the Alfa Romeo, the car is just not designed to be as fast as others on the grid. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, you, you don't get to, I suppose, help that. But mm. unfortunately, what I'm seeing at the moment from De Vries, and whether it's his fault or not, this will be he probably his only season in Formula One, um, as he's 28, like he's not a he's not yeah. a young kid that has yeah. that opportunity like Oscar and others that have. Uh, he is a world champion in another series, of course, but for for him to be able to progress, I, I mean, look, the reality is, will he ever end up in a Red Bull seat? And the answer is probably no. So what would there's Red a list Bull, of people in front? So it's pretty unlikely. Yeah. There's also a list yeah, of people yeah. behind someone like Liam yeah. Lawson or, or or many yeah. others who mm. are still in that Red Bull talent pool. Um, but those who were not in the talent pool too that could still be brought up from a junior series. Sonoda, on the other hand, 
like you know, he started in seventeenth and finished in eleventh. Like that that's significant. Yeah. That's that's not mm. something to be just kind of sneezed on in terms of his ability during this race. I think he is only one of off points, which is which is pretty impressive. Um and they also look like they had a pretty good time here as well in the the days kind of leading up to it with a fair bit of content with uh <laughs> with DR and others, which which looked like good fun. Yes, I too am no good with the idea of sharks. So uh, <laughs> I'm completely in the Yuki be- be- camp when it comes to that. Bloody Daniel tackling. Did you see Daniel tackling I Yuki did, off? I yes. did. I'm thinking of the content and I'm pretty sure it was them, was the the GDA Miami stuff where the boys were walking through pretending to be in a video game and that was <laughs> also outstanding. <laughs> like the, the screen graphics and like going to punch strangers and getting into a car and yes, if you can find it, it's brilliant. Just an excuse for everyone to make cool content here, I think. Let's talk about Haas now. Nico Hulkenberg was bloody just turning on a huge show. Him finishing way down in 15th, not indicative of the kind of race that he had. Kevin Magnussen, though, getting a point for Haas, which is fantastic news for them in 10th. Um, Still, Tommy T, I feel like Hulkenberg has the command of this team and and Kevin Magnussen is sort of the steadying the ship and picking up points where he can. I think really good performance from K-Mag, though. I, I think that was exactly what he needed to do to kind of start writing that ship, if it was. Um, best best qualifying for Haas, I think, uh, to date in fourth. Like, huge. Yeah, like, un, un, unexpected. And I suppose getting back to that form that we thought Haas had, which was... Uh, like very good qualifying. Yes, there was some factors thrown into qualifying that probably aren't indicative of that being the real pace. But mm. I think that's that's a good showing that at least there was that one lap where they were fourth best. So this year, like that's that's positive. Um, you would have expected more maybe from the US team, uh, which they don't really promote as much as I think they should. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. And Freya, I'm interested to know your view on this because you you were there. But and it is the United States team. You know, the American flag is on the side of the car. It, it's all of it should be all of what the US fans get behind. But as you've just you know said before, it seems like an even split between those top three teams. Was there much support on the ground for them at all? No. <laughs> yeah, wow. there you the go. sentence. It, yeah. Like literally, no, there wasn't. Um, and no, it was, like you said, it was very much split between those top three teams and Williams. So for like it was there was a lot of um, Red Bull supporters, a lot of Ferrari, um, a a lot of what did I say? Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and, um, and Mercedes, and then use kind of these got these sporadic Williams supporters, and not much between anywhere else. Like, you know, you saw the odd person here or there, but I hand on heart, do not remember any seeing anybody in Haas merchandise where, as you've said, you go, this is a massive opportunity. Yeah. You know, you've got three races this year. Sure you are surely you are planting that that flag on the side of your car and making it known where the origins of that team are I coming mean, from. You're clearly not spending money on the car. So like you should cost cap <laughs> to spend it on marketing at least. Like what are you doing? But maybe that is the problem is that they are spending all of the money that they have accessible to, to things that aren't digital media. There are a lot more Aston Martins fans than there were um, Haas fans, put it that way. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because also there's there's a big, you know, massive amount of content creators in the US now, many of whom you caught up with, Freya, but someone like Tony Cowan-Brown, who we who you rather have spoken to on this podcast, and 
Um, I was just messaging her before and I, because she's working with Aston Martin this weekend, I said, what's the vibe in the garage like compared to last year, considering they were nowhere last year and yeah. this year on podium? She's like, it's just mind-blowingly good. Yeah. Um, and I think those kinds of content creators, especially those who have a big bigger following in the US, more people of who are fans of those individuals are going to then become fans of teams and that's yep. where teams like Aston Martin are clever in terms of bringing you know, those kinds of people together. We'll get back to our team-by-team analysis in just a moment, but I'd like to take this moment to thank our sponsor, Quadlock. Tommy T, how's, yes. how is your whole new case? I have a Quadlock, finally. Look at it. It's outstanding. I stick it to everything. That's my favourite thing. <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything. If there's a bit of metal. Even things that it doesn't need to be stuck to. Exactly. Absolutely. Just, to just why not? If it, my, one of my coffee tables is like metal, so it sticks underside. <laughs> just starts sitting there while it's charging. At the gym yesterday, I had it stuck to the rack and then I was cooking and James can see now we're looking at it. Mm. I've got some pots kind of hanging and I just stuck it to a pot so I could read my recipe. Outstanding Brilliant. content. Not Love what, my quad lock. Not what it was designed for, but this it is works. the kind of marketing <laughs> and advertising that they are paying us for. But usually you have to sacrifice and get a magnet case or like a quad lock style case. Mm. This one has both. That's mm. brilliant. And to have this mag adaption, like they've got this whole magnet style range now. It's, it's all a lot of new stuff. I mentioned the wallet last week. Mm-hmm. They also have a battery pack that sticks to the outside. Someone like Freya would be able to use that for a long weekend. I really could have benefited from that yesterday, I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. And also, uh, something that caught my eye just before is that they have a um, a desk, like a desktop stand that you can put your phone on to charge, but also AirPods as well. Perfect. Yes. And, you know, charging at night or whatever else, it's it's bloody awesome. That whole, right, like they're getting better and better with Mm -hmm. a lot of their stuff. There's a lot of other products out there that kind of try to be quad lock and don't so anyway if you want to get yourself uh, fully protected but then also have some really awesome accessories or be able to stick your phone to the underside of a coffee table mm-hmm. go to the link in the description <laughs> in the show notes uh, you'll be able to click through there and that will help support us put the sale to us but also support us but also support quad lock and protect your phone and a massive thank you as always to Quadlock for not only the gear but also sponsoring this episode. Okay, Freya, let's get back to it. Uh, Alpine, 8th and ninth. Gasly, ahead of Ocon, no real surprise there in terms of that performance but again, a bit of a, a good showing for the team that has the colours most sort of, I don't know, closely linked to the Miami colours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. Do you know what? I felt like Alpine very much this weekend were kind of best of the rest, basically, um, in terms of their performance. And I know that that's not a result that they would be satisfied with. They want to be kind of pushing for at least kind of third, fourth, whatever it might be, especially in comparison to their performance last year. But when you're talking about, you know, who's left on our list to um, to talk about um, and who finished on the back, you know, they're very happy considering who was competing for, stru- for constructors last year. And now we're talking, you know, eighth and ninth for Alpine, and then you know, seventeenth and nineteenth for McLaren. Um, who their immediate competitors should or could be? That they've done pretty well. The funny thing this weekend was that I kept well, today. I kept. I'd look down. I mean, I'd check a Discord or something, whatever. I'd look up, and I was like, "Wait, why is Ocon in third? <laughs> and I get just like, since when have you been there? And of course, for the earlier stages, he hadn't pitted yet, and all sorts of things. But you know, they they were right up there, and then the kind of you know tire strategy really came into things, and they kind of got pushed down probably to where they actually belong. But I think you know, 
overall. They they did all right this weekend. Ocon was kind of saying afterwards that he felt like he could have gone on for a lot longer. Um, and it was tricky because he was trying to hold on to DRS with Carlos. And But he, you know, he said, you know, this is very obvious that both Ferrari and Mercedes are still a lot faster than us this weekend. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I, I think they've done all right. It's important to note now that the FIA are not allowing people out of their pit garages until the Ocon rule. The Ocon rule. Yeah. But he was because he hadn't pit. I was like, oh, I hope someone's told go. the photographers. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is obviously a good thing and a bit of a no-brainer in some respects. Uh, Tommy T, though, Pierre Gasly, again, like good, outperforming his teammates, slightly yep. different strategy. Um, they don't have the car to be able to compete with those top, the teams, four teams really ahead of them. But as Freya very rightly said, when, you know, Renault and McLaren were in such tight competition 2019 to be where they are now, I mean, they are making good steps. But what it does show also is this is what can happen when you are a total constructor in every sense of the car. Completely agree. I think that's one thing if we're going to compare directly to McLaren, they struggle because they don't control so much of their car. I think Alpine Mm. have carte blanche that everything is theirs. They can change the slightest part of like an engine mount or something that's really going to help. Whereas if you're McLaren, you're just dictated to, this is how the engine comes, figure it out, build a car. <laughs> so there's so many more things that they have to overcome. Uh, I, and it's it's really showing, isn't it, that uh, we're going to see that with Aston Martin, I think. We're going to see that with um, Audi as that changes. So more and more constructor teams, works teams are going to be coming in and it's going to be really hard for the rest of the grid to, to keep up. Great use of a French phrase yes. there for a French team, Tommy. Yeah, like that was big, amazing. Big that. I'm a professional. <laughs> I don't know why you guys don't give me credit for this. Almost as good as my <laughs> LL joke. Yeah, but I think you're right. And I and in terms of looking at the wider sort of grid in 2026 and what's coming towards us, potentially Cadillac as well entering, you know, with Andretti, th- there there is more to be said for that. But then flip that on its head and you look at the customer teams of Aston Martin and Haas really, you know, putting it to Mercedes and Ferrari for a lot of that race. And yes, mm. okay, Haas then fell away. But you think the amount of times Charles Leclerc tried to get past both Kevin and Nico and they yep. were not having any of it. No chance. Um, which is really interesting for me in that respect. Let's talk about Ferrari. Um, they're just, they're not winning a world championship ever again, I don't think. But anyway, Carlos signs in fifth, Charles Leclerc in seventh, Freya. I mean, as I said, right at the very top, consistency is key, <laughs> not when it's red flags because of <laughs> qualifying result. And he's always got it the wrong way around. He's supposed to put a time in first and then cause a red flag, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's kind of, you know, flawed his own logic there. But I was chatting to a few people about this this weekend and it is a big concern, as it appears, amongst the Ferrari fans, in Florida at least, that Leclerc does not seem to handle these moments under pressure. And like you said, we've got, you know, this corner that's about to get named after him if he's not careful. (laughs) And Ferrari fans, you know, these are people who want to get right behind him are saying, I don't think he has the edge that um, Hamilton has, that Max has, because he keeps cracking in these unforced, completely unforced errors. And yes, we can say, and and spinning out in qualifying, in free practice, you know, there's absolutely no reason for it. And you can say, yes, he's pushing the car more than anybody else in those sessions because he's trying to get pole. You know, he's not going to be satisfied with P3. That's fine. But that doesn't differentiate you from Russell 
or from Hamilton or from Max or all these other people who are also vying from for for P1 or, or Perez who are vying for 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 P1 as well. So why can't you hold on to your car in mm. those moments? So I you know I can I can see both sides of it and saying like you know he's just he's pushing it to the limit in the way that others aren't. I'm not sure that's that's quite right. I think others are pushing the limit, but they either know where that limit is or they have a better mentality in that moment and are not um, kind of giving in to whatever pressure or stress they might be feeling. Yeah, I completely agree. And my favourite example of this is Monaco where yep. he loses his mind every year and has not been able to perform once since being in F1. And I think like whatever it is, there's this mental hurdle. I'm not sure what it is, but something in him just snaps and he goes way too far and it, it's it's win or bin and I hate that I'm using that phrase. It's been used by other podcasts and other people, but it is like genuinely it is. You listen to other podcasts? Never. Uh, it is his whole mentality. You are now win or bin, TT, yourself. Win or bin. That sounds like something that we could have owned. I'm sorry. We had Before we post this, get on there. Yes, win um, or bin. Yeah. But I think it, it's, it's 100% correct that there is this mentality and I don't think top teams – say if you wanted to move from Ferrari to a different top team are going to look at that favorably like Freya's mentioned so it's something he's going to have to figure out and I'm very excited to go back to Monaco to see if it happens again this is my new George Russell never having a point (laughs) is that Leclerc never performs in Monaco (laughs) I had forgotten about that that was a fun era wasn't it I got really excited about signs after yesterday I kind of thought that this might be a weekend for him when he started he's going to start from from P3 I was like, oh, this, this, you know, this could be the weekend that you put yourself back up there. But um, I don't know. It sounded like he was struggling with tyres pretty early on, and then he's of course had that lock up into the pit lane, and then he's had a penalty on top of that as well. Yeah. But uh, I thought this might be an opportunity for him to pull himself out of that kind yep. of you know solidified second driver position, mm. and it just didn't really happen. But then at the same time, Leclerc did himself no favours either. So you know, both of them do just seem to be in a bit of trouble at the moment. Yeah. I think Sainz actually had a really good race other than that lockup, that which cost him yeah. way too much. Yeah. His strategy was great. I think that was exactly the right mentality to try and undercut Alonso there. Um, he was mm-hmm. performing well considering his tyre degradation. But, yeah, that <laughs> the attitude of like I'm going to go as fast as I can to this line is exactly what you should do. However, he just overcooked it by a millisecond, a metre, whatever it was, uh, and he's, he's sped and therefore five-second penalties just ruined that whole plan. But otherwise, that was going to be on for maybe getting a podium if it, if it all came together. I think for both of these drivers, the performance just isn't there in the car. Uh, and whether or not, you know, the, the lap before where Charles binned it, there wasn't wind, and then when he came around the second time, there was wind, and the car is that on the li- – like he is having to drive that on the limit, not – going up to finding it and then coming back 2%. He's having to do 100% all the time to extract all of those milliseconds that any kind of change in anything, be it temperature or wind Mm. or whatever else, really throws him. But I would say that it's been interesting watching him when he doesn't get his way in terms of like an overtake or something happened, he ends up overdriving the car, which is then, mm. as as Frey, you say, like the, the unforced errors start to, to come in. But, I mean, one of the things I would say is that it's interesting to me noting this new team principal lineup. I've said it before, you know, Fred and Charles are go back a long way and Carlos doesn't. So maybe also Charles feels like he can push the car more than he's ever done in the past and have a little bit more 
sort of leeway with the with the board and of Ferrari and a few others in that same instance. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Mercedes now. George Russell in fourth and Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Um, TT Hamilton let Russell pass because they were on different strategies. There was no fighting to be done there. Yeah, he said it though. He was like, "I'm going to let him pass, but I'm not slowing down. Like if he's going to do it, do it. Like I'm not going to." Bend, o- bend over and just let you kind of go past, um, which I think is fair enough. Like he still was in the race competing for his position. Different tyre strategy completely. So I think he even understood that there was no point trying to fight that because it was just going to delay the inevitable. But however, I'm not going to sit here and just throttle off, let you through in a, and then put me in a vulnerable position. Perfect. I think that's exactly how teams should do it more often. Use it as a slingshot. Do whatever you're going to do. Like do that. Um, but it is nice to see Hamilton kind of Back with that fire because I think we've we've had the the more docile Hamilton for the last like year and a bit. Um, yeah, it's nice to see him feisty again. Frey, you saw Lewis. Did he, did he seem more with it? He smiled directly at the camera. He looked straight at me. Yeah, we we ha- we had a moment. I won't lie. Uh, <laughs> but do you know what was actually funny is that I was actually having a moment with myself because his sunglasses were so reflective that I couldn't see his eyes. It was, was he looking at one of your own. many outfits, Freya, over the, the weekend? <laughs> we need. A, I think we need a quick fashion recap for the weekend. May look. I, he, he. Do you know what? He's probably the one person who challenges me for the amount of outfit changes we've yeah. had this weekend. But actually, and just just quickly on that before we talk about the racing, brilliant. He. He arrived at his pop-up um, store here and went pretty quickly inside, came back out again, went and had a photo with like a car that was parked as part of a bit of a kind of you know, photo moment, I suppose, um, and said thank you to a, um, a kind of like a an ice cream like uh, <laughs> ice cream truck kind of thing that they'd funded for the day. So if you went in and you bought some – um, X44 merch, you go get like free stuff when it's really hot. Anyway, um, but he went over, so he went in, went back out again, but then went back in again and people were standing around going, is he just going to leave and not say hello to anybody? Because otherwise I love you, but I'm going to be a little bit pissed. Yeah. But then we saw people leaving again, like holding his clothes and we're like, nah, 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 he's going in to get changed. And sure enough, he'd gone, he'd arrived in his own like X44 kit and then left in this like Louis Vuitton um, kind of denim situation double denim situation which was was very impressive Brilliant. but uh yeah really actually you know what, super interesting chatting to Lewis Hamilton fans cuz i actually don't know a lot of them i don't know a lot of hamilton fans um and what was most fascinating about them was that rather than being new fans almost every single one of them have been following him for a decade at wow. least if not longer Every single person who I chatted to there has been following him since day dot and that first day was was literally 10 to 15 years ago at a, at a minimum, um, which I thought was really, really interesting in comparison to, for example, the pop-up at Williams where people were <laughs> didn't even necessarily go yeah. to the team, were just getting around what they were doing, um, which, was, which was really interesting. We are at the Lewis Hamilton X44 <laughs> pop-up at in the design district in Miami and I am sort of here with three Hamilton supporters. We've got Josek, Tona and Devon. Thank you. Tell me, why are you guys Hamilton supporters? I'm going to start with you, Josek. Well, one, he's gorgeous. He looks amazing. <laughs> um, the way he carries himself on and off track and how he pushes his agendas for world peace for everyone and respects everyone, honestly. Love it. That's why love I love it. it. Devin, what about you? 
I'd have to say, along with being a, a great athlete, I think that Lewis Hamilton really is a moral leader of our time in the way that many athletes like Muhammad Ali, Paul Robeson, and others have stood up for causes uh, for social justice. Yep. Lewis is standing in the gap for so many, yep. so I appreciate him. Yeah, I think as somebody who works in sustainability and impact investing, it's really crucial to see somebody who has a global platform putting a voice to the change that's needed in our world, but also really expressing what it means to be hardworking and driven, but also kind, that to be successful and ambitious doesn't mean that you have to be a horrible person or step on other people that you can lift as you climb. And I think seeing the mentality through the challenging seasons with Mercedes shows that it's not all about winning. It's really about being a uniting factor for your team. Yeah. And those are lessons that, whether you're an F1 fan or not, they could be helpful to you in life. So I think he's yeah. just really inspiring and yeah. for his fans and for the world in terms of how to interact with people and how to be successful in your career, again, yeah. while treating people with kindness and with love. Look, I think it was whilst obviously disappointing qualifying for Hamilton to make up, you know, seven places by midway through the race was still very impressive for him. But their straight line speed, as someone said in the Discord, I think is just, it's it's depressing. It feels like a sitting (laughs) duck when they're there um, and knowing who's coming up behind them. But I think you're completely right, TT. I really like that attitude when it came to the team on team action in terms of going, yep, I'll let you pass, but I'm not I'm not going to back off. Yeah. You know, I won't necessarily fight you for it, but I'm just not going to back off. I'm not giving up where I am now in order for you to overtake me. And I think that is a really interesting approach to um team intra-team competitiveness. Aston Martin, Fernando Alonso on the podium again, four podiums out of five races. He was so comfortable with where he was at, TT. He was mm. watching the screens and watched Lance do an overtake into turn one whilst he was driving around the circuit. This guy is just unstoppable. <laughs> he does this regularly, doesn't he? Just sitting back watching a different screen. Like, man, the multitasking <laughs> ability of Fernando, unparalleled. Um, yeah, he was spot on. He did exactly what he needed to do. Um he was maybe lucky with the signs kind of situation, but I think he would have still made it a race uh, if they were if they were closer on track towards the end. But perfect, like good first qualifying lap to put him where he was and then he did exactly what was required. Uh, he is very consistent this year, isn't he? For, for someone who's got not the best car, but like one of the best three cars, he is doing more than I would have expected anyone else to do. Um, and I think he, he's he's vying for that. Probably third, I think, for in the drivers, like oh, definitely. Easy. I mean, you look at the disparity between him and Lance and where oh. Lance was for most of this race. You know, I don't think in the same situation, Fernando would have stayed there. In the same car no. is the thing. Yeah. And, and I think it's a, it is, as this year goes on and Aston Martin has a stronger car, Lawrence and the board of Aston Martin need to really start thinking about Lance's longevity in this sport. I you were going to say disowning his son or… yeah. They're getting rid of him, <laughs> getting rid of him and bringing someone like, not just removed from the team, but also disowned. Disowning. <laughs> you can't, if you, if you can't drift to DB5, you're no son of That mine. is going to haunt him for the rest of his life, isn't it? It's, it means nothing. It wasn't a race, but damn, it's the first thing that pops into my head and his inability to compete with Seb in that DB5. Lawrence also suddenly from Frankston there. Um, yeah. He, he, but they need to, they legitimately need to think about who's going to be in that car alongside mm. him, uh, whether it be Daniel, whether it be Oscar or someone who has more natural talent because the car seems well-balanced, as, as Fernando knows, and he's driven yeah. multi-generational cars. You know, more than he's, 
I think seven. A couple of stints in GB2. Exactly. <laughs> um, but to get to where he is, he's done a lot. And I just don't think like Aston Martin as a team won't ever be taken seriously unless yep. Lance goes. Agree. Um, and I mean, as hard as it will be for Daddy Stroll to make that happen, Does. the board needs to make it happen. Does Daddy Stroll buy another team and send Lance there and have a junior team? Yes. <laughs> just, to, just to solve it's okay. this. 100%. I'll buy you another pony. Peak nepotism. I'll buy you a different one so we can <laughs> yeah. keep this one as the winning car and you can go have fun in Haas. I oh, know you got bucked by this <laughs> This horse. We'll get you He's another gonna one. He's going to move Haas to Canada to be a Canadian team. Mm. Perfect. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, but then all the, all the rename it Stroll. Fine. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, but Freya, I mean, Fernando is just so well-loved. Of course, his couple of years in um, out of the sport and, and racing in, in races like Indy, of course, he does have a bit of an American following already. Uh, and as you mentioned, there was some Aston Martin team merch going around. I doubt there was many Lawrence, sorry, well, Lawrence, but Lance Stroll caps, more Fernando Alonso caps. I mean, they were all green. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really pay attention to them. I was just more shocked that there were any in comparison to some of the other races that we have been to. But the, thing, the funny thing with Alonso is that like the moments where he needs, where that, that experience is important, he shows it. So the control that he had into turn one, for example, where it was very clear that Perez had had a, a better start, he goes into two one, he held his spot and he – I think there's moments like that where that experience just comes through. And like you said, his positioning over the course of this season so far in comparison to Stroll is just, you know, they're, they're miles apart. Um, and he's made multiple of his overtakes today look easy. So when he overtook signs, Ocon, he just looked like he was gliding past them. And to say that he's like, who would have thought at the end of last season that we would say going into this season, Aston Martin, you're going to have four podiums in five races. That is not something I, I think any of us saw coming. And the fact that he has made, made, been able to achieve that in his first year with the team, when usually we're giving people a bit of grace mm. in their first four or five races and he's just managed to hit it, is is extremely impressive. To be fair, Stroll finished higher than I expected based on his qualifying yesterday. And he had some good kind of defensive moments. The tricky thing with Stroll is that he has just, he has, he does enough just yeah. frequently enough to be able to say that he deserves to be there. Yep. And that's a campy but the point, dips isn't it? In between are so significant. You know, the lows are so low. Um, I think the big thing for Stroll for the rest of the season, if he wants to prove himself and say that I deserve to be on the grid is that he has got to start qualifying a lot better. He needs to start getting closer to Alonso in his qualifying performance so that he actually has an opportunity to show that he can control a race in the way that Alonso can, which I yeah. don't think is going to happen, but that I think that's what he's got to do. And it was brought up in your your interview with the, uh, the grid click was that maybe we're harsh on Stroll and then this happens and you're like justified in your opinion of like, not good enough. And like, that was exactly your point, wasn't it, Freya? That you're like, I, I get it. I don't want to be as harsh, but then I find myself constantly just like, why are you here? What are you doing? The reality yep. is we totally. we are nowhere near as good as Lance Stroll, but no. you know, uh, this is what <laughs> couch commentators do from yes. a podcast point of view. Especially when you've got people on the sidelines, not in a car right now. Oh, that's right. That's, that's the main thing we have. One mm, of the things I, I this is the most boring part of, of Formula One, but the Constructors' Championship at the moment, Aston Martin is second. Um, so Red Bull's on on 224 points. They're gone. Aston Martin's on 102. Mercedes, 96. Ah. 
It's ridiculous. Ferrari 78. So in turn, McLaren at fifth. How did that happen? Okay. It's a counting <laughs> error, surely. Tied fifth with Alpine. Mm, wow. That's very bizarre. Maybe they got Android to do their maths for them. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Along with their software. But one of the things I want to say, though, is if – if Lance is not consistently in the top eight, Mercedes will take second in the Constructors' yeah. Championship. And Aston Martin have have a very clear ability oh. to lead. Now, I, we didn't mention this when we were talking about Mercedes, but they're talking about bringing these upgrades to Imola and everyone's excited about it. The only upgrade that will work is if they put side pods onto the car and get rid of the <laughs> current design, and that's not going to happen. So I think where Aston Martin are too, and whatever upgrades they bring to what is arguably one of the best base platforms this year. And yep. Fernando said that from, you know, the first race in Bahrain. He's like, this is what we're starting with. Yeah. You know, this is where we get to go and, and to continue to go. Um, I, I'm excited what that Aston Martin can do. I just, again, I just think more people would get more around the team as a whole if it was another driver alongside Fernando. But to be yep. fair to, to Seb as well, who helped design this car for this year, of course, as well as Lance, um, you know, there's a lot of love for Seb. But Fernando is just bringing this X factor with that Seb wasn't able to. Mm. And I'm personally glad that Fernando will end up rounding out his career with so many more podiums than he thought yeah. he could ever have coming back into Renault, uh, to Alpine, sorry. Yep, that's um, a when great he did. point. Um, and he's he's leaving in such a way that is such a, I don't know. It's it's a nice roundabout way mm. of the sport, I think, and also shows that it does age really isn't a significant factor, meaning that Hamilton can still probably stay around for a little bit longer as well. Let's wrap this one up with talking about Red Bull very quickly. Max Verstappen finishing in first, Tommy T. Inevitable, um, inevitable. But you feel for Sergio Perez. Um, he, I mean, finished in second. Obviously, the tyre strategies weren't quite right. Um, Christian Horner, TT, came out and said, oh, we're on our simulations. We thought that the hard tyre would be worse to begin with. Turns out that the mediums were with graining yep. and, and more weight and everything else. Yep. And also, I think you've got, to under, you've got to remember that Max is like any of us when you've got Google Maps telling you it's going to take 10 minutes to get somewhere. He's going to try and beat that. So he was like, yeah, cool. We're going to catch him in with three laps to go. He was like, I'd rather 10. And he dominated. He put that gap. I thought he was going to actually have a pit stop gap on Perez at one point there. He was going to make sure he could pit and still come out in front. That's how confident he was. He was like, I don't even need to. It was ridiculous to have that fresher tyres at the end. He was just playing with his food almost. Like, <laughs> it was that ridiculous of a dominating one. Do you want any more analogies? There's so much meat on the table. Oh, He's good, just eh? pushing it around. Jeez. Doing well there. No, it was, it was a foregone conclusion. When he was moving through the pack, I think that that double overtake was – the move that kind of sent it mm. to me very early on, I think lap four, it was like, okay, mm. yeah. Max is winning this one and it's not even going to be close. Yeah, Freya, it was pretty clear at that point of the race uh, that he was just on the hunt. There would have been, though, a bit of sad Red Bull sort of fans around you, both where you were watching and certainly at the track, because, again, the huge amount of Checo support. You even said in the Discord of that one woman who was jumping up and down for Max taking the lead. It's like you're the one out of yeah. probably 10,000 Checo fans around you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, there was a incredible Checo contingent both at the track yesterday. You could see it um, today via the broadcast and then where I was in town as well. And, look, he defended pretty well at various points in time, but, you know, it was it was obviously Max who had the speed today. They were on different strategies and that didn't work in his favour. Um, but at the same time, that Red Bull 
in this, their straight line speed is just next level. The double overtake, as you said, TT was just out of control. I think Alonso had estimated that maybe lap 25 he would have um, Verstappen in his mirrors. It was lap 15 <laughs> and then he spent you know, 45 laps on hard tyres and came back and regained the lead very, very yeah. quickly. I think everyone had a moment of hope when he pitted that maybe that, that Checo would be able to hold on to it for, for the last little while but it just it, it went away so, so quickly. But But what's interesting is that both of them, the confidence that they obviously have in their car is incredible in comparison to every single other mm. driver on the track. Doesn't matter where they plant it, they are confident in it doing what it is that it is expected to do, yeah. which I think will go a long way when it comes to their qualifying and their race performance. And that's the difference here, right? Is that they seem to be able to have that single lap speed, but they also carry it over a race distance. And you know, it's it's hard to say how anyone is going to catch up with them. I'm here at Scratch Brewery in Brickle at a watch party and we're going to chat with some locals to see what they thought of the Miami race. First of all, I have Caitlin here. We have just crossed the line. What are your immediate thoughts on the Miami Grand Prix? I mean, what an incredible performance for Max. Uh, that was so fun to watch uh, coming from, what was it, eighth place? Ninth, uh, I think. Yeah, oh, my God. All the way up to the win. Um, it was amazing. I think the most impressive thing was the double overtake. I Like, that was epic to watch. Gemma, what were your immediate impressions? Did you get to watch last year as well? Because you're from Miami, right? I did watch last year. I moved to Miami just in time for the race last year. So it's super exciting having it kind of like home court. But I think it was a great race. I'm always rooting for just a lot of excitement and action. And I feel like definitely towards the end. I'm a Red Bull fan, so it was kind of a great scenario at the end. But I think overall, like some really good takeaways. So it was fun to watch. Now, Caitlin, you were saying earlier, now this is obviously for our Australian listeners, that you thought Daniel Ricciardo carries Formula One. I mean, I agree with you, but I want to know why you think that as someone who is not Australian and therefore biologically compelled to support him. (laughs) I mean, he has such an incredible personality. Um, I think he's very likable. It doesn't hurt that he's extremely handsome. (laughs) So, I mean, he 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 would agree with you. (laughs) I'm sure he would. Um, I, I don't know. I think he's a great spokesman. I mean, he's such a character. I think people, he's extremely likable, like I said, and um, I, I mean, I, you see it when they put him on TV in the in the pit. You know, he's everyone's cheering for him as soon as his face gets on on TV. I think uh, I was really disappointed this year when he wasn't going to be racing. Uh, I still have hope that he'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think he's just an incredible, incredible person um, from what we see. Yeah, totally. And Gemma, what is it that makes you support Red Bull? So honestly, like I said, I'm always rooting for just a really great race. My background actually is in IndyCar. So my mom, she started off as a licensed Formula One and IndyCar artist. No way. In Australia. Yeah. So my, like going way, way back, I'm going on a tangent, but my family had the oldest antique car museum in Australia. So, like, through all of that over 
the years, she actually used to run marketing for IndyCar. So I'm always just rooting for people, kind of like Caitlin said, like big personalities, people who are exciting and bring uh, attention to the sport. So I think Red Bull has done that, but especially through the Netflix series, like it just kind of draws you in to the sport so I just like what they've done for the fan base after following it for so many years and now having like a spotlight on it through the series and so many fans so I just think the way they've kind of galvanized people makes me like them but again like I'm just rooting for a good time a good race Excited. Formula 1 is the winner at the end of the day <laughs> but I do have one last question for you guys I couldn't help that you would know you were cheering for Checo to was the start of this. So, Gemma, you're an F, you're a Red Bull fan, and I'm not sure who you actually, who do you support? You, you're not I sure mean, yet, Caitlin. I, I, I've only been watching for a year, so okay. I'm still trying to pick my teams. I, I think the history of Ferrari is incredible. Um, it's been disappointing their performance this season, but uh, it's it's an incredible team, and it's hard not to love Red Bull. I mean, <laughs> they're winners. They're incredible. But what was it that made you cheer so strongly for Checo. He's, he just seems like a nice guy. I don't know. He's an impressive. He's an impressive racer, and I think the fact that he is teammates with Max is kind of difficult. Um, and so I want him to do really well. Um, I want him to have his moment to shine. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for a lot of the drivers, and like Fernando Alonso, I love him. He also came over, raced in IndyCar. So I love the overlap between sports. I do love Checo. There was one moment, I feel like it was like two years ago, where his, I think it was like the AC or his water wasn't working in the race, and he literally competed for the entire race with no water, anything, got third place, was a champion about it. So I just think things like that where you can kind of see their personalities and you're rooting for them is what makes me like them. Like Lewis Hamilton, I'm still a fan of his. He's done so much for the sport, so... I don't know. It's just exciting to see competition. I feel like that's what everyone wants. And now, like, we're starting to get that in F1, which is exciting. That's our team-by-team analysis done and dusted. We've got a week end off and then going to three rounds. Um, But before we do that, let's talk about our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. This one comes from Izzy and it was very early on. She said, forget reverse grid. Let's do mixed grid, random penalties, just to see what happens for sprint races because Max Verstappen really showing us that, yeah, if you start from ninth, it really creates quite spiciness um, in the race. If he would, if he started from pole, we probably wouldn't have had as much excitement because no. what has happened with him moving towards the field has affected other cars mm-hmm. and strategies and whatnot um, and even the double overtakes that he, he had as well. So, uh, yes, Izzy, very, very good point. About that. Let's do our fantasy team name competition now. 121 of you, very excitingly. Um, for some reason, the, I don't understand. The site is just ridiculously broken. Uh, yeah. I don't know where any <laughs> of us are. I can just assume Campy's probably still in the lead. Yeah. Um, 
I threw a no negatives chips down, which thank goodness for that because Lance had a terrible weekend. <laughs> so maybe I'm closer to him. That's probably the only thing I really care about. Freya, I have no idea where you are um, and I have no idea where you are. At the back. This is good, good content, James, <laughs> good podcast content. Um, a couple of names that I managed to find. Um, and I know some of you struggle with trying to update your names as well. Again, the website, just no good. Uh, click the red button. Very good. Um, Resurgio and Sprez. Yes, well, I mean, resurgence maybe up until this point. Now it doesn't feel like. Well, we've got Monaco coming up again, so who knows? A Gator ate my speed. Flooded car park GP twenty twenty three, and only here to win coffee. Uh, coffee is on the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. How far away is coffee? Death taxes and coffee. Yeah, inevitable. Inevitable. Uh, yep. Just fine tuning. Just taking <laughs> off the last little things, you know. Legalities. Yep. <laughs> like, great. All right. Well, the legalities of it are being sorted out. So that's not far away. Lakeside Drive is talking to the, the people. We've just got a meeting of minds, you know? Yeah. We're all stuck <laughs> in the roaster together. Yeah. Did you see the content of um, Valtteri like hand picking his beans and putting them into his like hand grinder thing while one of his teammates like snuck his espresso? cup underneath <laughs> like an automated machine and press started while he was hand grounding it. it that was that. one of my actually Love like it. it went a bit unnoticed based on the amount of content this weekend. Yes. But that was actually one of my favorites. <laughs> yes, very good. Let's uh well look, Freya, thank you so much for not only for for joining us for this episode, but also for the stack of content that you've been putting out um on our Instagram page, but also on your personal Instagram page to listen if you don't yet follow Freya, go and do that. You can find all of the links to all of the people, including TT and myself, in the show notes. And a special, a special thank you to you if you are one of our patrons. You can help support the show via Patreon as well. We really, really, really appreciate everyone who does that. Uh, and also to those who are buying merchandise, there's a couple of new orders coming through too. We will be looking at refreshing that and hats will probably actually exist apparently in July. So there you go. I will be ordering some of those again. Um, and also thank you to you if you've left a review because it does help the algorithm tell people that we exist. And uh, it's nice that... Uh, I feel like an airline captain. We thank you very much for listening to this podcast. We know there's plenty of podcasts out there for you to listen to. We know you have a choice. Thanks for choosing this one. Uh, But that's it for this episode. Plenty more to come. Um, Tiffany Cromwell's interview is this week. Stay tuned to that and listen all the way to the very end of that episode. You will have a very good little uh, snippet of audio right at the very, very end. Um, And then, team, we are going to triple header territory. Imola followed by Monaco and Monaco is going to be really, I think, Fernando Alonso's best opportunity to get his win that he's been needing for a very long time. But anyway, that is all to come. Thank you again to you both. Uh, And listener, thank you to you. We will see you very soon in the podcast feed. But I can turn my Mocker Master on and off from here. (laughs) That's outstanding. Can you hear it click, right? Oh my god! Because <laughs> I'm a dick. That's a lot faster reaction time than the television. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.